Hey guys, this is Ryan. And this is Steve. And I'm Rod, and I like to party. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do it once. <laughs> and you are listening to 60 Cycle Hum, the guitar, buying, selling, trading, fixing, modding, breaking, reviewing, playing, geography podcast. Yay, geography! Woo! Wait, does it really say geography? I wish. No, Steve wishes. <laughs> Did you just make that up right now? Yeah. <laughs> San Diego geography only. Yeah, right? yeah. We just talk about the local area, really. <laughs> so here we are in Mira Mesa, California. Mira Mesa, San Diego, California. Yeah. Watching just, Orion in his natural habitat. Why don't you why don't you give the <laughs> listeners my GPS? Lying the, like, lying sweetly in between the eight oh five and fifteen freeways. Right there in the middle. <laughs> all right, should we get into it? Do we want to waste time this time? Like, no, I don't know. Doing all kinds of crazy stuff. We, we probably need to. We we got DJ back. Hey guys, one more week. He came all the way back. This I joke, know. This thanks, joke thanks never for coming gets back. Yeah, dude, it was fun. Yeah, it feels like it's only been an hour since I've seen you guys. It hasn't. It's been a full week. <laughs> We've had many a meal in, the, in between last episode and this, oh. and we're we're fueled up and ready to go again. <laughs> Uh, this is the part where you guys are supposed to ask me what's new. Hey, Ryan, what's new? Oh, I have a new delay pedal. No, it's not a delay pedal. I have a new reverb pedal. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell this is uh, the second episode of the night. Uh, uh, no, it's the first episode of the week. Oh, yeah, this week. Um, I got a new reverb pedal a while back, and I'm ready to talk about it. And uh, Oh, hold on. Before we do that, because I forgot to do this last episode. Yeah. Uh, after we did our episode 69, dudes. Oh, yeah. Um, less than or sequel to the movie podcast did a, uh, a full episode to tie in on Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. It's a really good episode. And that yeah. for Ryan and I, that's one of our favorite movies. Just that whole series is great. That series. Uh, the both, series of two movies. those movies. <laughs> Uh, so you should go and check out their discussion on Bill and Ted's yeah, that's, Journey. It's a really fun podcast. I ended up listening to a few of their episodes. Yeah. Uh, a couple of them are listeners of the show, right? Yes. That's that's how it goes. Yeah. Uh, Chris uh, is in the group. Uh-huh. Facebook.com, whatever. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'm not sure if the other guy that's in his band is in the group. And then I guess the third guy plays saxophone? He's He's a sax he, man? Doesn't, he doesn't. That's a lie. What's a sax man? A guy who plays sax, but he doesn't. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, anyways, that's a great podcast. A lot of fun listening to it. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it more in the future. They only talk, they review sequels of movies. Yeah. That's their whole thing. They just talk sometimes about reboots. They do sometimes reboots. reboots. Sometimes reboots. Yeah. All right. They, then one is there they, ever really a good reboot? No, that's the, well, that's the whole concept is like the. Batman. There's. Every there, now and then there's a good Batman reboot. There's very few good reboots and there's very few good sequels. So it's pretty much a bad movie podcast. Hey, yeah. I'm, I'm down with that. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. It's good times. All right. Let's get back to me talking. About your delay. About this reverb. Tell us about this delay <laughs> that I bought. <laughs> I got the Digitech Polara. Does it do dotted eighth or quarter note delay? <laughs> It does do jet flange. Uh, it's a really awful ring modulator. Like, <laughs> so it fails at ring. It fails at ring modulation. But how does it do a reverb? It's 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 a very decent reverb pedal, and that's uh that's a compliment, right? I don't know. Is does it, it sound like a compliment? Um, I got this pedal because I'm always looking for new flavors of reverb unit style drips. For my surf band. Right. This has a spring setting, which is drippy. And in demos, I could never get 
I could never find a demo where someone was really testing that out too great. Mm-hmm. Got, Andy from Pro Guitar Shop did it a couple times. He got some drips going, but it's really hard to tell. It's like, I got to get this thing, try it out against my other pedals, see how it compares. So I've been playing around with it a couple weeks now, and and it's a good pedal. It's a great like all-around reverb pedal. I've actually been using kind of the modulated and like shimmer settings for church. Oh, okay. Um, well, it has all those kinds of settings? Yeah, it's got a bunch of settings wow. on it. It's got a reverse setting that's a lot of fun. Fun. Is uh, it like all controlled by a knob or? Yeah, there's like a knob that's like clicks. Oh, okay, For cool. different settings. Um, so it does kind of fun stuff like that. As far as the drippy reverb, it's all right. Like I've also got the Topanga and the Boss FRV1, which is a direct like copy of the Fender Reverb unit. I don't think, I don't think it's going to kick either of those to the curb as far as being my surf reverb pedal. Right. Uh, just there's something about. Would you say? Never mind. Say no, no. Okay, okay. It was a bad idea. All right. (laughs) There's just something about it that doesn't feel quite right. It drips, but then I feel like the the trail is too lush. If that makes sense, for the purpose of using it for surf. Right. Like, it's just too much of a big, lush trail, which could be great for some people. But for what I'm looking for, I'm not super stoked on the drip. The drip itself sounds nice, but the like I said, the trail is weird. All the other settings on it are great, but it definitely has this whole, like, digital reverb sound going on. Like, you wouldn't be tricked into thinking that this is a natural-sounding reverb. I feel like... The best way I can describe it is it's the kind of reverb you would find in like computer software. And they are all lexicon based reverbs, which makes sense. Mm-hmm. But it's, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I, I don't know if I'm going to keep it around for using it for church because it has the different settings or if I'll end up flipping reverb. it. Yeah, I might. Well, how would you like reverb for- or reverb? <laughs> so for a listener like how would you compare it to maybe like an rv5 or like something that's a little bit more common like is there maybe i don't know if you have any experience with reverbs i haven't played with an rv5 in a super long time i had an rv5 for a little bit and before that i had a digitech digiverb Uh uh-huh uh i think the polara i don't know if it does like the modulation stuff better than rv5 as far as overall reverb, like if you're going for a variety of reverb style, I actually think the Polara is a better reverb pedal than the RV5. Uh, both of them, you know, I have to echo what Ryan was saying as far as like natural reverb. That's always the shortcoming with so many of the reverb pedals on the market. And, you know, I always say, I always complain about reverb pedals is like, if it doesn't sound like a train crashing when I kick it, then I don't, I'm not interested. <laughs> Like, I'm into, like, old-school tank reverb where, like... Like an amp reverb. I used, I used to, and I don't... In one of the bands I was in, I would, like, go back to the my amp and just start hitting it with my fist to just start generating a bunch of noise. Yeah. So that, to me, like, reverb isn't just, Well, you're like, not going to get that in any pedal. Sure, sure. Well, uh... So what are you complaining Dan Electro about? Spring King. Yeah, uh, but those aren't actually all that great. No, I, I heard they're awful. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> but like, so my point is, though, that that's just kind of the, my standard for spring reverb. Yeah. And definitely with the Polara, like, I could hear something that... I guess I probably... I, it was close enough that... If I was just hearing it, I wouldn't necessarily think like, oh, this is 
like there's digital artifacting going on. Right. But there was something that was just off about it's it that just didn't sound right. It's not a digital artifacting thing. It just it has a super clean sound. Right. But at the same time, it's like there's a lot going on in the signal. I don't feel like there's anything in the pedal that sounds like a physical existing reverb. It doesn't sound like an amp reverb. It doesn't sound like a reverb unit. It doesn't sound like a natural reverb where you're like out in a canyon or something like that. Yeah. Like they're all kind of their own thing and they sound good for what they are, but I kind of have the tendency to keep stuff on my board that represents sounds that exist in like kind of classic guitar equipment. Right. I, I think, you know, to kind of to wrap wrap up what I was thinking earlier, like if you're in the market looking for like a single a single pedal sized reverb and you're thinking like rv5 like the polar is definitely worth checking oh, definitely out. a contender for sure yeah and it's i think it's a, at a pretty similar price point yeah i th- i paid uh 140 i think okay so and it's a little more than the because you can get the rv5 yeah. for about 100 well bucks. I, I got a super good deal on reverb this reverb.com right um i don't remember what these are new um but I, I actually really enjoy the shimmer setting, and I don't like shimmer on any other reverb pedals that I've played with so far. I just want you guys to know that my big sky is crying right there after all this talk. Is <laughs> <laughs> jealous. It's like, don't talk about that. I'm here. I'm here, guys. Pay attention to me. <laughs> I'm not digital. Kick me. Kick me. <laughs> Isn't it digital? It is totally digital. Yeah. Oh, you can't do that with anything. <laughs> Yeah, all that stuff is digital these days. I mean, yeah. I mean, analog reverbs. Is there one that's good, like an analog reverb pedal? Is there an analog reverb pedal? Is the Holy Grail analog? I don't think so. You think that's digital? I think they're all digital. I don't know. The Someone Digitech, write in and tell us. The Digitech Polara Stereo Reverb Guitar Pedal at Sweetwater.com is one forty nine ninety five. Free shipping, no tax. Oh, okay. Maybe I didn't pay 140. I don't remember what I paid. I thought you bought this locally for like 100 bucks. No, I got it off a of reverb, but I remember it was a pretty darn good deal. But it wasn't it wasn't that close to the the new price. I don't know. I can't remember. It was like a month and a half ago that I bought this thing. Right. And I've been playing with it. But yeah, I I don't know how long it's going to last on my board. We'll see. It sounds good. Yeah. It's just not my flavor, I think. It's funny like because I tend to, I trend towards like traditional reverb styles. Uh, I just don't use reverb when I play guitar in church. Sure. Because our the building that we're in is so big. It's got a sun reverb. Like, and it's, it looks like an upside down Noah's Ark. <laughs> uh, not the boxy kind right. like that Rus- Russell Crowe is in, but like <clears throat> the traditional kind that looks like, like a children, boat. Like children's storybook. Yeah. Yeah. Arc. Yeah. And I'm Javert. All right. Next point. <laughs> <laughs> or should we jump into ads? Yeah. All right, let's do some fucking ads already. No one cares what I think about a pedal. Let's be I honest. care what you think. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> All right, what's the first ad? Uh, Epiphone electric guitar, Fender amp, and guitar case. Oh, yeah, the Texas. $325 the, in Fresno. This is from Luke Mundy. Why isn't this in Texas? Wait, where is this? What are we talking about? It's on the Google Drive. 
but it's, it's the it's very titled, last one. It's, it's titled Texas. Oh, Texas. Texas. Oh, yeah. Texas. <laughs> With oh arms God. wide open. <laughs> Aren't those guys from Florida? <laughs> I don't care. So this is a sidekick reverb 30. Yeah. With Texas spray paint. It's the state of Texas spray painted on the grill. This brings tears to my eyes with beauty. It's, yeah. it's wonderful. It's, it's pretty much the best. It's got an Epiphone Junior Sunburst electric guitar, a plain black case with multiple pockets. Finally, finishing up some spring cleaning, and I am willing to sell all together for three twenty-five. If you're willing to come pick them up ASAP. Otherwise, I am charging three seventy-five. What is this guy's timeline for ASAP? <laughs> as soon as possible. But yeah, if, it's, if, if next week is as soon as I possibly can, yeah. then... Technically, yes, to charge me three twenty five. Yeah, like, I might be going through Fresno uh, on the weekend of Cowerfest. Is that count as soon as possible? It might be. You could pick this up if you wanted to pick this up. I don't. I don't. And know. I wondered why you would want to pick this up. <laughs> uh, do we know anything about the Sidekick Reverb Thirty? Uh, all I know is is they say don't mess with Texas, but this guy messed with Texas, and that's what happened to his amp. <laughs> <laughs> I'm betting that it's some kind of solid state. It's solid state. This is like a precursor to the Frontman series. Yeah. There is no little jewel light on the front. I was just... How can you get that? I was just thinking that. I was like, there's no indicator light oh, if this weird. is on or off. This, is, this has got to be like the bottom of the budget run of, of amps from Fender from whatever time Yeah, this, this is... I want to say like it early looks, 90s, maybe? It looks earlier than that. 80s? I don't know. I forget when they did the sidekicks. And then an Epiphone Junior Sunburst electric guitar. $75. Maybe. Is it double pickup? No, this is... uh, Juniors are always single. And then the plain black case with multiple pockets. Oh, you gotta price cases per pocket. So we can't really price this unless we know how many... Exactly how many many pockets. And if there's pockets in the pockets, like smaller pockets, Mm -hmm. we gotta know those. Pocketception? Yeah, pockets. Multiple is at least two pockets. So assuming... Let's just say like if there's two pockets, three pockets, or four pockets, uh, how much we would call this? Yes. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Pocketception. Yeah. So, so I mean, what if there's like five pockets? Well, how much would you pay? Everyone knows the street rate for pockets is fifteen dollars for pockets. Fifteen dollars per per pocket. Per pocket. Per pocket. If it's its own pocket, a pocket inside of a pocket, that's a five dollar pocket. Five dollar pocket. Okay. Yeah. So five pockets. Everyone knows that it's five pockets is seventy five dollars. Okay. Yes, but what if the pockets, if three of those five pockets have pockets in them, yeah. then therefore those pockets then can add on $15 in pockets. That's $90 case. That's $90. Now, does the... <laughs> does the <laughs> I love that we're running with this. <laughs> does the, does the part that the this guitar is, <laughs> go into, is that a pocket? Like, that's a giant pocket, right? Technically. That does not count as the pocket. Okay. That is the guitar case function. The pockets are for holding things. They're, the they're additional a, pockets. Accessories. Ex- yeah. But according to your sister, really the value of everything is based on how big it is. Exactly. So. My sister was in, was in here earlier looking at your guitars, and she was asking about the value, and she's like, well, that one's bigger, so it must cost more. <laughs> <laughs> and we were like, no, that's incorrect. It's really, it comes down to the weight. Yeah. Exactly. Guitars are priced by the weight. They have, like, those, those really expensive guitars, 
that sell for like tens of thousands of dollars, they're very heavy. Yeah, they're made so, with lead components. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah so word up to, uh, you know, Gibson has been chambering their stuff and increasing their prices. That's why everyone's so pissed about yeah, it. Yeah, that's so backwards. Yeah, lighter guitars and more money. Yeah, that's it's why... That's, insane. That's why I paid $75 for my Duosonic. Yeah, yeah, because it's tiny. Yeah, by the pound, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so Okay, so here's my question, though, with these ads. Is, is you know, whenever someone posts, like, spring cleaning or I finished cleaning or whatever, uh-huh. that's almost the indic. That's, like, you know, nine out of ten times it's an indicator that it's, like, I found something in my attic. I was going to throw it away, and then one of my friends said, hey, it's probably worth money. Right, so right. So now I'm listing <laughs> it. Yeah, I mean, like, pretty much. And that just kind of slightly pisses me off that this guy's asking $325 yes. for stuff that he probably was going to throw away. He should throw this stuff away. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I'm not going to say that. There, there might be some kind of... No, he should donate it to a, to a children's music school. Or, yeah. For or, the deaf and blind. A school or a church or something. The sidekick you know, would make a good bonfire edition. I would, pl- I would have fun messing around with these, but I would probably do it around 150 for the whole bunch. Yeah. Uh, maybe. I think that's a fair starting price. I don't think Remember I would pay that much. Remember how we broke down the pockets? That's true. That's true. This gig bag could be worth like ninety dollars. <laughs> yeah, you consider <laughs> consider the pockets. One hundred and fifty. You get the amp. You get the guitar. You get the pockets in the case. Um, this is a great deal at one fifty. Technically, this guy is charging three hundred and fifty dollars. Oh wait, no, never mind. The guitar is included too. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how much he's like probably pricing the amp at. Because it looks like he's asking almost three hundred dollars for the amp. And that's just yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, basically. Um, well, if you consider the, the guitar on a good day, is maybe worth 75 bucks. Then you consider on a good day, we don't really see a good picture of, of the case. We'll assume 50 bucks. Well, no, it's, it's, a, just, it's, it's literally a gig bag. Yeah, it's a gig bag. We don't know the quality of it. We'll assume it's like a $50 gig bag on a good day. So that's still only uh, 125 So then he's saying that that amp is 200 something bucks on a Look, good day. This is the kind of ad where somebody that says amp is not worth 200 something bucks. This is the kind of ad where the guy like looks at the amp and it's fender sidekick reverb 30. Then he looks at the back where the output wattage, yeah, like, where it, you know, this is how much power it's going to suck per dollar your grid. <laughs> 450 and, watt. And amp. he's like, Oh man, 400. Let's see. 30, 120. So this is probably 175. This probably on the back is like a 72 watt consumption somewhere sure, in that sure. neighborhood. So this guy probably thinks this is like a 70 watt amp. He's like, oh, that's a lot of power. Oh, look, 70 watts. Like, oh, this Marshall's 50 watts, and it's like 600 bucks. So 300 bucks for this is a great price. What he probably did is he called up his local pawn shop. Oh, I got a guitar and an amp here. One's a one's an Epiphone made by Gibson, and one's a Fender amp. How much do those go for? And the guy on the phone is just like, he's having a bad day and he doesn't really want to talk about it. And he's like, oh, I don't know. Is he having a bad day? $400 for all of it? I don't know. I don't, I don't know what models they are. And the guy's like, oh, 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 okay, 400 Oh, I found this stuff in my closet. Spring cleaning, you know? Okay, thank you. And then he goes... Anyway. Is that how people sound in <laughs> Fresno? Yeah, that's, that's a Fresno accent. Um, and I then he should he, be like a prospector or something. Yeah, and then he's like, okay... I'm gonna, you know, price this to move it twenty five bucks off. Oh man, killer Three, deal. Three seventy five. Someone's gonna see this Epiphone made by Gibson and a Fender amp for three seventy five. And I've got this case with all these pockets. And it's with Texas. Yeah, it's got Texas <laughs> on there. You don't mess with Texas. <laughs> Do you guys know the origin of that phrase? I actually don't. 
it is it was a campaign slogan against littering really yeah a 100 percent it didn't exist you realize that this just became way with words <laughs> it didn't exist as a slogan until like the 1970s and it was a campaign against littering on the side of the highway and Shouldn't then, it have been "Don't mess in Texas"? No, it was "Don't mess with Texas" on Texas, and everyone like just that grabbed it and was like, <laughs> "It's like the new Remember the Alamo," and it doesn't. It it came. It's about, Why would you want to remember? It's about uh, littering. A uh, rent a car service. I know, right? I mean, I I'm usually a Hertz boy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, right? Want a Hertz donut? <laughs> yeah, I'd love a Hertz donut. <laughs> <laughs> so next ad. <laughs> Woo! Well, all we're saying is don't buy this amp and guitar in Fresno. Not for that price. For one fifty. Not for any price. <laughs> I don't know. I might be curious at the right price, just to like have something to like some burner junk, you know, like something the, to the, the like literally stuff to burn? Yeah, like the stuff you could smash on stage, you know. Oh, get but, down. Yeah. Or like if you want to convert that amp into just a speaker cab so you can run like some crazy amp through it or something, you know. Okay. okay. Or you want to give it to a kid it's or something. I just want the Texas on it's it. Probably it's a serviceable ten inch speaker. I mean, sure, sure. It's probably it probably it'd be a great amp for like a church youth group. Yeah. So uh, how about this ad? Uh, yeah. Okay. We've got this thing. I I spotted this. I was doing some Craigslist tourism, and this is in <laughs> Los Angeles. Los Angeles. It says Gibson Reverb Oil Can Unit. GA3RV. I didn't search for the GA3RV, but this doesn't look like... Hold on, read the ad. Okay. For sale is a mint condition Gibson Reverb box. It's perfect for surf, psych rock, and other genre. This doesn't look like an oil can unit to me. This looks like the Gibson RV3, which is a a solid-state reverb unit. Uh, An oil can... First of all, there, as far as I'm aware, there's no such thing as an oil can reverb. There's oil can echoes yeah. or delays. So I think this guy is confused about what he has here. Because I couldn't find any examples of this being a uh, an oil can derivative of anything. Do you guys know what oil can technology is yeah for echoes it's, yeah it's literally oil in a can yeah and like the the can of oil like spins mechanically and there's like a brush in there that it uh it's like a tape deck where it writes a uh, magnetic signal onto the side of the can and as it spins around when that signal comes around again then it repeats it so this is really weird i don't know if it is a different at maybe I don't know. This actual same image is on Reverb. Maybe they stole the image. Oh, maybe. With but on that description, it says this is an excellent condition 1964 Gibson Reverb three unit. Yeah. See, has been recapped slash service has lush wet C pan spring reverb. I don't know what a C pan is, but I'm yeah. guessing it has to do with the length or size of the. the I think it's just pan. the model. A uh, good strong surfy tone, clean, no breakup or scratchy pots. Original Gibson knobs, great with pedals too. Uh, punch and pedal has nice clip in the back for storage. Has nice firm carrying handle too. Still has two prong cord. How much are they asking for it? Uh, Four hundred dollars. That's too much. Hey, Plus no. fifteen dollars shipping. That's, nada, nada. That's too much. These things, e- eBay, 
like 150 to 250 hmm. on a good day on a regular day well the 250 is on a really high. if you're selling it then 250 is a really good day if you're buying it 150 is a good yeah. day so it's like there's a lot of misinformation floating around these things i think it's it's just a solid state reverb unit basically it's one knob there's not multiple knobs on this so that description was wrong too it's saying that there's no scratchy pots because there's just one pot right uh it's just one master knob in the back it's got this funky uh pedal that clips in and it uses like a proprietary clip instead of a quarter inch plug they're supposed to they're supposed to sound pretty good it's just not worth what these ads are saying and i don't know why these ads exist with this price range and i don't know why this one on craigslist claims that it's an oil can unit when it's clearly not clearly not it would it would be way different if it was yeah i don't understand why it's listed on craigslist as an oil can unit but it's listed on reverb as a reverb and it's listed on ebay as a reverb yeah this guy's tripping. Yeah. Or it's someone grabbed that image and is doing like a scam with it or something. Right. Something weird. Well, people just get this like this idea that anything that has the name Gibson on it is worth over yeah. X amount of dollars. And so Yeah, it must be it must be really good. That's it's why got, my Epiphone by Gibson is worth way more than my Epiphone. Just your regular Epiphone? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, where, where are you going with that? Where's the, where's the rest? Are you going to say Epiphone by uh, Yamaha? <laughs> my my Epiphone by Epiphone. Yeah. <laughs> There's rumors out there that y- they might try to sell Gibson to Yamaha. Yeah. That Have you be, heard about this? I haven't heard about this. That'd yeah. be crazy, right? That Because Gibson is like put, putting out... Gibson hats is selling guitar cables now. Uh, and studio speakers. The Gibson brand owns KRK, mm-hmm. so they are making a le- they made a Les Paul series studio reference monitor. Wow! Um, so now that Gibson, like the bigger Gibson Musical Corporation, basically has its hands in all these different technologies, there is a rumor that they are setting themselves up to be acquired by Yamaha Good. or by Fender, which would I think would be great. I'd love it if Fender bought Gibson. <laughs> that would be that would be when hell froze over. And then you could have an Epiphone by Gibson by Fender. It wouldn't be that crazy though. By Squire. By yeah. Squire. <laughs> it was Squire by Epiphone by Gibson by Fender. Fender owning Gibson would be less crazy than a TV studio owning Gibson. Right. And I understand what you're saying. You know, you uh, think about, about like the CBS years of, of Fender. And then who owned who? What Nordstrom owned Gibson? Who, what did it they was do? Norland. I don't Norlin. know what Norland. I think they might have just been like an investment, uh, like firm? a holding some kind of investment firm. Uh, one thing, like that, just sounded insane to me when I first heard about it. That Gibson, like the idea of Gibson being owned by Fender, but um, the, I mean, the, both but, those companies have owned all kinds of different brands, right? That but we would, think of we think of each one as being the like top behemoth of its area well yeah, yeah. It, the perfect example we talked about last episode dj is that your gretch is a pre-fender gretch yeah yeah in the 1970s if you said like yeah one day fender is going to own gretch people would be like what yeah what are like, you talking people, about and fender owned guild at one point i don't know if, i don't know if i don't know if fender owns either of them now uh 
Because uh, I know they've I moved know. some. I know they moved some property around in the last own, year or so. I think they still own Gretsch. They for sure do because they just did the whole like their whole ad about the the Telly Penguin. Oh, uh, that's right. Okay. That's right. So, yeah, I know they still have Gretsch. So the idea of iconic guitar companies being bought out by other iconic guitar companies like really isn't that far fetched. No. It just seems like it would be odd with the the two that you think of as the biggest. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be crazy. And maybe when they do, if they do that then Gibson can reissue a uh, a reverb unit. <laughs> <laughs> and they're going to be the Fender reverb unit and the Gibson reverb maybe unit. Maybe when they do that uh I don't know where I was. Oh. Gibson can bring. Is Gibson making the M series right now? I don't know. You know what I'm talking about? No. Like the M3s in the 80s when they were making Super Strats? Oh, yeah, those things. I don't think they make those right now. Yeah, they can bring those back. Yeah. My friend just found we. He was given, actually, the electric artist in my band, he was given a Kalamazoo that was found in a, uh, a time capsule in a landfill, and it was the last one made in 1950. No way. Jeez. That's crazy. And so it was, and we, we brought it to Sean, and he did the whole work through, fixed it up, uh, has the original junior single coil Gibson pickups, like just like uh-huh. in, uh, in Tyax. Uh, yeah, that's um, dude, that thing sounds incredible. Was it it's, in good shape in the time capsule? Oh man, it was awesome. It had a natural, uh, little, oh, just like your SG right there, that natural uh-huh. relic right there, uh, like the wear, uh-huh. um, you know, fretboard in great condition. The only thing that was in disrepa- disrepair was the soldering and, uh, the pickups, wow. electronics pots are a little bit dirty, not, not so great, but functional. Um, that's crazy. The tremolo, like the funky little tremolo with like the weird bone yeah. piece on the end of it. Yeah. The headstock looks sweet. Like it's like it's awesome. Those old Kalamazoo's can be great. It sounds fun. I used it in a set the other week, and it was it was a great time. But um, I definitely uh, you know like kicked everyone in the face when I I set my amp up for it and I played it for the set, and then I had my backup guitar, and so I I went to put it down and plug in the banning. Uh huh. And those things are really low output. Yeah, right. Which I nobody was expecting. And so then when I went to plug, when I plugged back in, and when I came back in, just monster just, tone. It literally, I want to say three times as loud. Oh, totally, totally. It, it was Jeez. insane. I was just like, my in-ear monitors. I think we're about to explode. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's yeah. why I'm afraid of in-ear monitors. So, anyways, this Gibson, Gibson's, this yeah. Gibson reverb. They actually like. I found some videos of them. They actually sound pretty good. Like, not bad. They don't sound surfy like a Fender would, right. would, but they have kind of like a neat, uh, like, soulful reverb sound to them. So I might be on the hunt for one now. If I can find one for 150 I might pull the trigger. <laughs> <laughs> they just look awkwardly large. Oh, well, yeah. it's a reverb unit. Yeah, it's got a giant spring pan in yeah, it. Yeah, but, like, is that something you just want to bring along with you? Like, It's a surf rock thing. Like, guys bring around their their reverb unit with them and... They put it on top of their amp or on the stage, and they kick it and stuff like that. It's an, it's another thing to carry, but it is like it's, it's part, a surf rock thing. You wouldn't it, understand. It's a surf rock thing. <laughs> you wouldn't understand. You know, no, it, it is though. Like it's it's like in modern thinking, it's like wow, that's a that's a big box just for reverb. But then yeah. it's literally an actual spring in there well, you, and yeah. you run it before you run it in front of your amp so the preamp of your amp 
gets driven by the spring hitting it and so you oh. get like a drip off of it funky so it's it's a, a totally different concept than like an in-amp spring or like a digital model right. or and, something and like you that. think about like the time when these came out when, was, when did fender roll the first ones out like 62 63 something like i want to say 61 61 yeah darn it it might be 63 though i, think I know 63 is the iconic one i think i think you're right six i think 63 um, uh it was the first like outboard guitar effect right and so you know if you were a guitar player in like the 50s all of your amps were Fender Princeton, Fender Bassman, Fender right. Twin, Fender Deluxe, Dual not, Showman. Dual show would the Dual Showman exist? The Dual Showman 60s, isn't it? Uh, Regardless, doesn't okay. doesn't matter. So regular all, regular Showman. Yeah. My, uh, the point being is that there's all these <laughs> amps on the market, but none of them have reverb. Yeah. So Fender was like Fender instead of just saying like, oh, we're gonna build an amp with reverb built into it. They're like, how do we house a reverb unit? Um, like, how do we take reverb and sell it to guitarists that already have an amp? Well, they designed it for, for vocals. Really? Yeah, it was meant for microphones. Oh, that's dope. And then people start playing them with guitar, and they're like, oh, I like this. Mm. This sounds nice. So it's a, it's a weird... With that exact tone of voice. Yeah, oh. they were like, oh, yeah. Oh, There's recordings of people in the 50s learning about the Fender reverb unit, and they're just all like, oh, yeah. Ooh. Oh, oh, I like that. Uh <laughs> So creepy. I'm gonna cut that out of the podcast. Is that gonna be your new ringtone? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh. oh, I don't mind that. Oh. Let me hear that again. One, one day we're gonna be we're gonna do like a Kickstarter uh to to buy like new microphones or something stupid. Uh-huh. And one of the perks is gonna be be like, Ryan will do any voice that you want oh, on, for your voicemail. <laughs> For your ringtone, uh, Ryan will record a personal message for your for your voicemail. Right, let's, let's move on to this last ad. Uh, I've got it titled "Natural Brown." Yeah, well, that thing looked absolutely terrible. Yeah, someone said or this, awesome. Someone posted this on the group. I don't remember who. It was a while ago, and yeah, I, it actually got posted a couple times in the group too, like yeah. by two different people. Uh, today only. So this is already over because it's not that day anymore. Uh, parts caster build. Telly Strat Paul with a question mark natural slash brown $75 plus $5 shipping. This thing is awesome, a disaster. How does he even get Les Paul out of that? Because uh, it's P90s, because it's got the P90s, I think. That, that's a sad excuse to be a Les Paul. I know, right? <laughs> it looks like the P90s are screwed in with like giant, like. Machine screws. Yeah, well, that's like the least of the issues with this thing. <laughs> We're focused on the screws. There's so many things going weird with this. It looks like a body for a strap. Six out of ten would not bang. <laughs> it looks like a, <laughs> it looks like a strap body, but that they mutilated the top horn. It looks oh, no. Yeah. It looks it looks like it's like a left, and not like a left. It looks backwards, like. Does that make no, sense? No, no, because the control cavity is routed right-handed. No, you're right. Maybe so they just like really shaved down that top horn. I think they mutilated the top horn on a strap. I body. didn't even realize that when I saw this and thought it was awesome. <laughs> it's got. I'm glad I didn't buy this. <laughs> it's got this crazy headstock. There's a little bit of a gleam on the nut. I want to think there's like a brass nut. 
Yeah, I think there's a brass nut and it's got like the old school fender bullet <laughs> truss rod. Yeah. And it's got did you, did you notice the double uh strap pegs on the on yeah. the back end of yeah, it? Yeah, that's for ergonomics, right? This thing has it doesn't have a pit guard and it has a swimming pool route that's been painted black. There's no electronics or anything in it. This thing's nuts. Well, you have to this supply this. This is art, okay? This is like <laughs> this is meant to be like a project starter? Yeah, almost finished project almost finished project parts caster. Comes with everything in pictures, brand new vintage style tuners, brand new cream dog gear. Brand new cream dog. Cream dog? Cream dog. Ear. <laughs> this is so hard to Are you going to make it, Steve? Brand new cream dog ear P90s. Brass nut, maple neck. Les Paul wiring to finish the job. Today only. Cheap, cheap, cheap. U.S. sales only. Ask questions. This is a steal. Yeah, so this actually comes with all the wiring. You just need to, you need you to get some guard. kind of pit guard to mount it to all two. Ah. <sighs> This is a project I don't want to see finished. <laughs> like this, I'm not. I'm I really fan. hope this was posted on the group twice, and I really hope someone in the group bought it and turns it into something awesome. I'm a fan of weird, fugly guitars. This is too far out there for me. Like this feels gross. Do you feel dirty it, when you see this? Like it feels like this is a sort of thing you would like. You'd walk down into a spooky basement and you'd turn on the light, and this would be the only <laughs> thing down there, and you would turn around. And you would lock the door, and you'd never go back in the basement. Like, I've oh my gosh, seen something in there. I'm not going back. Like this. What, what has been seen cannot be unseen. What was this person trying to do? It's hideous. It's really bad. But Ryan, it's dual it P90s. Looks, it looks, dual P90s. They dual P90s. They expanded the swimming pool route to accommodate those P90s. Yeah, I don't understand that. There's barely any space on the top left of it. To put a pit guard around that, look, you would is, have to custom cut a pit guard for this. This thing. is what really happened. The guy had a bunch of parts laying around, and he just said, "Huh, what happens if I slap these all together?" And then he got like eighty percent of the way there, and he was like, "This was a bad idea. Oh, this is bad. <laughs> this is bad." And they put it on <laughs> reverb. Uh, he would be better off selling the neck and the parts and just burning that body. <laughs> the body's done for. Unless you have to go really crazy on it and like cut off the wings and make it like a like a like a Bo Diddley box or something. Like right, that. right. Make it uh make it into a teardrop. Yeah. I'll have to pray about it. Yeah. Th- this guy <laughs> this guy is the guy who needs to pray, the guy selling this thing. He might be uh he might be his soul's in trouble. Oh my gosh. After doing this thing. It's a crime. This is a guitar crime. Weren't we talk well, on the group weren't we talking about how this warrants the need for a like procedural crime drama that's yeah that goes around guitars with dun, the dun. Law and Order Tonto exactly and it'll all be like shred guitar <laughs> Law and Order Special Guitar Crimes Unit. I don't know why that's what my shreddy guitar sounds like. <laughs> sounds like a banjo. <laughs> oh my gosh, guys. I mean, totally off topic. No, we haven't said anything about BB King. That was last week. Oh, never mind. We missed it. Yeah. Sorry. In case guys. you missed it. Sorry, BB. You know what? So many people were saying stuff about it. Uh, 
the week or so ago when it happened that I just felt like no one needed my noise. I just, I just think we need a moment of silence, don't we? I think there's a moment of silence last episode. Yeah, I'll put I'll put in a moment and an extra moment of silence <laughs> in there. Extra moment. <laughs> it'll be right in the middle of a conversation and it'll just go quiet and be like, now a moment of silence for BB King. <laughs> The family he left behind. Oh my god! And it'll go back to the normal episode. Well, maybe I just didn't listen to last week's episode. Man, now I feel like a dick. <laughs> <laughs> you were in last week's episode. Yeah. Oh wait, I was. Don't yeah. you remember? <laughs> Don't you remember when we did this? Wait, did we talk about that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, totally. We no, did. We didn't. We didn't at all. <laughs> what is, what is uh, life? You know, I, I legitimately. Where, where I, am I? I legitimately thought about it, but there was just like no way to segue, like. There wasn't a good jumping point into it. Yeah, and no one needs us jokers talking about a serious thing like we're life probably and gonna death. like ruin his reputation. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get a cease and desist from his uh, from his family. Like, please don't talk about. I we'll have to take the podcast. That please episode don't talk down. about BB. It'll BB, be like go BB. It'll be this episode. You know when we become. There'll be this episode that only like original the original fan base ever heard. <laughs> it only got like two hundred listens before it was taken off. Oh the my internet. gosh. So are we done talking about this awful Probably. guitar? Yeah, please. All right, let's let's tackle a topic, man. Yeah, read that topic. We got an we got a topic sent to us. Give it to me, baby. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see if I can find this thing. Oh my gosh, we got so many people sending us emails. Is there a microphone in the bathroom? I wish. For Steve? You know, we should probably put a <laughs> microphone in the bathroom for Steve. Like an SM57 aimed at the stream of the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, did you move this thing somewhere? Now I've got to find the topic. He says, folder. eerily from the bathroom. <laughs> okay, I got it. All right, I'll read it while Steve is uh, is pissing in the toilet. Okay. You know, this has become a normal like segment on the show. I feel like we either need to make a theme song for when Steve goes to the bathroom or we need to like all put our money together and get his prostate checked. <laughs> Steve can't hold his, his, his fluids. We think there might be a problem with us. Let's put together. A what quick- should his song should it be? Push it by salt and pepper. <laughs> it just starts playing in the background. Every time he gets up, <laughs> ah, sh- push it, push it real good. <laughs> <laughs> He's back. He's back. Okay, this is from Adam Dolhanic. He had an uh, he had an ad last episode, right? I uh, I believe so. Okay, and now he's got a topic for us. Here's a question stemming from the sellouts episode. Could some of the general shift towards boutique high end pedals have to do with the lack of availability, innovation, etc., from the lower end manufacturers? When was the last time Boss made something cool, or MXR, or Ibanez? Let's be honest, guitar players get bored. I'm almost convinced that's part of why Sound Tanks, LA Metal, Slam Punk, etc., are getting some love again. LA Metal wasn't a uh, was Sound Tank pedal, it's a 10 series. Sure. Uh. <laughs> Because it's something different and weird that you can pick up cheap. Electroharmonics is a notable exception, but even then they've done all they've done is jump in the clone game full on with their overdrive pedals. I know that when I started out buying pedals, it was all lower end stuff with the odd full tone pedal, but you get bored and the boutique guys make the cool new toys for me to play with. Not really a question, but maybe a topic. Striving. Striving. <laughs> topic is that, done. Is that what? the answer? <laughs> <laughs> 
you don't get a lot of drive options from Strymon. And the, the deco, deco. The Deco, come yeah. on. But what about Fuzz? The Deco? That's not Fuzz. Turn your lo-fi delay up a lot on the timeline and make it sound kind of fuzzy. Well, why do you have an LA metal pedal then? Oh. I don't have an LA metal pedal. You do. Why? I see it right now. I'm looking at it. What are you talking it. about? <laughs> why don't you get why don't you get that sound from your Strymons? Because I need something to look really trashy on my board. <laughs> <laughs> it's sitting on a salvage board. You got to make it look a little bit dirty. <laughs> but uh, I think this is an interesting topic. And I I think the perception now is that your bosses, your Ibanez, your MXRs are low-end pedals. That's bull. That wasn't the perception 10 years ago. Yeah, it's really- it was that just they were pedals. There wasn't this idea of, oh, low-end and high-end pedals. It was just, oh, there's just pedals. Well, then, but it's interesting, though. Even individual pedals have different ranking amongst the company. Like, someone will laugh at you if if you have an MXR, you know, some sort of overdrive. But if you have the carbon copy, you're cool. Yeah, yeah. So. Hey, man, I'm a big DoD 250 fan. And the MXR Distortion Plus is basically the same circuit. Like, in a lot of ways. So, it's like. There's, you know, there's there's some cool stuff that MXR does. There's some cool stuff that Boss does. There's some cool stuff that Ibanez does. But I think there is some truth to the fact that they haven't done a lot of note lately. Like, what's Boss's right. newest stuff? Well, it's the like wa- you're, you're talking the about the Wazacraft stuff that's all rehashes. Right. You're talking about like, oh, MXR did did some cool stuff. But then your example of like a cool pedal that they did was the Distortion Plus. It, I'm not calling Wait. that a cool pedal. I'm calling that a pedal that I think is respectable. Right, right. And and that's a pedal that, you know, they came out with in like 1977. Yeah, yeah. Or something like that. Like a lot, like literally that's probably a, almost a 40-year-old sure. pedal. Sure, absolutely. Well, I, I get your point. Like Boss and, and Roland overall, like... They're, I think they're a little bit of an exception because as a company, they're doing so much more than just pedals. Like, Absolutely. So, I mean, one of the guys who, works at, who plays bass at my church is the head like video guy for Roland. And, oh, really? And so he's just like every week is like walking in with some new Goodyear synth thing or toy oh, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And so, I mean, they're, I don't really know. Boss does kind of become this uh, forgotten, like every once in a while, they they... There's been, a, I think, a trend with a lot of these companies for for an extended length of time where instead of listening to what players want, they look at what the general music trends were and tried to like create something that, right. that they thought people would want. Like you talk about the Wazacraft stuff. I think the Wazacraft stuff is because Boss finally went on eBay and said, huh, these like DM2s are selling for 300 bucks a piece. Right. What would happen if we reissued it? Right. Or like the old MIJ SD1s are going for, you know, I don't know how much they go for, like 100, Not much. 100 bucks. They actually don't go for much. Dang. Like 40 bucks. Bad 50 example. Bucks. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, they have these different things that were like, even if they're not going for a lot, they're like storied pedals. Like, sure, oh, the sure. MIJ SD1's way better than the, the MIT. And and these different things. So, Boss looked at those trends. Whereas, like, you you have the um the what was the yellow one? The the yellow heavy distortion that you had. The the one the it was yellow. I'm making a confused. Face. You had the you had this distortion pedal from Boss. Are you talking about the SD one? The HM two. 
That wasn't yellow. It was black. It was black with like yellow writing. Was yeah, that, orange well, that's writing. Oh, totally different than yeah. Yeah, there was no <laughs> yellow involved. I thought yours was yellow. No, the, the heavy metal too. All right, yeah. So there's the HM2, the heavy metal two, and then that's followed up with the metal zone, and then that's followed up with like the metal core. Right. And that's follow. I don't know if that was followed like the up with power stack and the yeah. And there's all these mega like distortion. extortion and and all these things, and it's like you have all of these different flavors of distortion, but it's like are there. Is there a base that's saying, hey, hey, uh, yeah, metal zone's just not cutting it. I really wish there was something that was a little more core. Yeah, I need more core in my metal. I need more core in my metal. Um, and corn? So I, Are you saying corn? Corn. Core. Corn. Core. Corn C-O-R-E. Okay, I was like, I don't want any corn in my you metal. Me- want metal corn? <laughs> like steel corn? Weird. If you had a metal, never mind. That's steampunk corn. Steampunk corn? <laughs> Copper corn? <laughs> Copper corn. But I, here's... Do you understand what here's I'm saying? A, yeah, like, here's, a, here's a way to look at it. Think about all the pedals from, let's just say, Boss, MXR, Ibanez, uh, and even uh, Digitech. Mm-hmm. Then think about the variety and how far they can be adjusted the pedals just from earthquaker devices right well and see that's the tough thing you have a company like earthquaker who's been around for what like 10 I don't years know i don't know i, I don't know, know how long, long. I have no clue. um a thousand years as far as a I thousand know. years from <laughs> since the dawn of time yes. earthquaker I devices think they have they might have <laughs> as many pedals on the market right now as boss does sure they might have more oh they for sure have more because Earthquaker is over, like, they have over 30 pedals. They sure. have, actually, wait, I could give you the exact amount. They have, on one, bo- on their drive board, they have two pedal plower, pedal plower, pedal power, is it the pe- plus? Plus? Yeah. Pedal power two? Yeah, pedal power two. They have two of those with two splitters. So that board is uh, 18 pedals. Yeah. And their modulation board is 17 pedals. So that comes out to a total of 35, 35 pedals. And, but no, they've <laughs> released like, like three like since watching then. You guys do math. Yeah. My, my, my gears just ground down so hard. <laughs> I just but, lost some teeth on my mind gears. Oh my God. They just, they just released a new reverb like just the other day. So yeah. they have like thir- about like 38 pedals. You're, yeah. You're saying something like it's that. It's crazy. And I think didn't boss just celebrate their hundredth pedal or something like that. That's their hundredth pedal ever, though. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And they've been making pedals since, since the 70s. Since the 70s, and they just now have a hundred. Yeah. Earthquaker Devices has been around a thousand years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they've been around may- maybe a decade? Maybe. I-, I really don't know. And they have almost 40 pedals. They're catching up quick. And the thing that you really get with like the kind of boutique uh, like or higher end or you know, more custom pedal lines is that these things go, they have a lot more range in their settings. Like you get an SD one and the (laughs) volume only goes so high. The gain only goes so high. The, the, the tone only goes so high with a lot of these boutique pedal companies. I can't believe the amount of volume output on some of these drive pedals. It's insane. I feel like I could drive a speaker just off the pedal I can't believe like how bassy or how bright they can go. Like it just seems like there's a lot more variance within these pedal designs, which gives you a lot more room to do creative weird stuff. Like I think 
one of my issues with the Polaro reverb is that you can't go extreme with it. You can't go like nuts with it. Like everything is already like kind of predetermined. Like, oh, here's the normal max. Here's the normal low setting for this. Where if it was a pedal made by Earthquaker devices or Mojo Hand or even Strymon or something like that, you could take those settings and probably tweak them a lot farther. Right. And I don't feel like that's something you get from the bosses or the Ibanez's or the Digitex or the MXR's. Their, their stuff is more polished and more like, oh, here's the range where we think people will want to use this instead of just letting it be this wide open thing and letting people kind of figure out their own path. Like, look at freaking like the Fuzz Factory from Zvex. Yeah. The vast majority of, of settings that you could find on the Fuzz Factory, most people would call unusable. Like, Boss would never put out a pedal like that. Sure. None of those companies would ever put out a pedal like that because people would go like, oh, you made something broken. Mm-hmm. That, that's, I think that's their corporate perception. Like, oh, we can't release this. Most of the sounds are broken on it. Yeah. Where they're, so they're not going to release something that can be pushed into like glitchy zone. But a lot of people want that kind of thing. Like, think about the the afterneath reverb. Yeah, yeah exactly. Well, well, and even to go, you think know, think about the rainbow machine. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, and to that point, I know back. Uh, going back to towards, I guess, like the bigger brands back in the, um, in like the early two thousands, if you wanted self oscillating delay. Uh-huh. You either had to fork over like the big bucks for a uh, early like boss DM. Yeah. You could kind of do it with a Dan Electro, Dan Echo, but that pedal weighed like f- four pounds. Uh huh. Or you bought an Ibanez DE7. Right, totally. Like boss didn't have anything that self oscillated on the market. MXR didn't have a delay. MXR in a lot of ways actually like they exploded in the last decade. Like sure. They were an established brand. But they didn't and, have a lot and, to offer. But they didn't really do start doing a lot until more recently. Like, like the they, carbon copy only came yeah. out like Are they kind of rode the on the distortion plus and the their comps. Yeah. The blue comp and the red comp, you know? Yeah. And like the micro amp and Yeah, yeah. Stuff they've like had that. funny they've had funny little things that do all right. Uh but then we're not talking about uh we're not talking about electroharmonics either. Yeah. And he he put that as an exception. Like they do weird stuff. But then they've just recently started getting into drives. They've done, they had done very few drives and they'd all, they'd always been in the realm of weird stuff and big muffs. Like yeah. that was their whole scene. What are they? Cause they have, other than the soul food, they have the soul food and they have the soul food. They have the Easter. So this is the issue is that the soul, they have the soul food, which is a clone. A clone. clone. They have uh, the, the East River Drive, which is a Tube Screamer clone. Uh-huh. They have the they have the, the glove, the glove, which is an OCD style. Yeah, they have the um, the log, whatever the logarithmic OD. That's is. their own thing, but no one can seem to wrap their head around yeah, what it is. That one's to be. kind of unique. They have the like the satisfaction fuzz, which is like what uh, it's supposed to be fuzz, a mice, right? It's supposed to be a maestro, maestro clone. Um, and in, in the case of like that type of clone, like that's that no one really makes that so sure but and they've kind of like 
found their own corner of the market by putting those things out for like 50, 60 bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. it's disposable. Those are like Christmas gifts for your nephews sort of cheap, you know? I got, I, I put it my, my soul food once, but I got it because it was like, I got it for 40 bucks. Yeah. yeah so exactly. I, I just should have it. It's $40. Yeah, why totally. Not? Totally. I mean, why not? I think they, we, we AB'd one against uh, a KTR and I thought it sounded great. Yeah. I thought it was a great sounding pedal, but it's like, Anyone want to buy a KTR? I mean, I one of my my only delay on my board right now is the EHX memory b- toy. Yeah, EHX has been killing it with their delays recently. Yeah. I think, uh, I think the Memory Boy and Memory Toy series, and you can oscillate uh, on that thing, man. Yeah, I think it's those crazy. are are really like cool, spaceship. really fun pedals. They came out with one that was like the Memory Boy Deluxe Tap Tempo eleven hundred. Uh huh. I think it was the eleven hundred. Um, that apparently now sells for like a thousand dollars. Whoa! Because, oh yeah, because they only made like five hundred of them or something. Whoa! <laughs> and then they ran out of the chip. Uh huh. So they had to go to a different chip that only did half of that, half the length of time. Okay. So the, I think so the the first one did eleven hundred milliseconds. The second version only did five hundred and fifty. The five hundred fifty millisecond version is like a three hundred dollar pedal. The 1100 millisecond ver- version is not available, and you see it on the used market for like, I see them listed at a thousand, but I think they sell in the seven to eight hundred dollar range. That's a lot of money for milliseconds. Yeah, <laughs> but you're du- you're doubling your delay time. Yeah, I mean, I just I love that little memory toy. I got it for like sixty bucks. It's warm analog delay, and it just sounds great and just nails it. And it goes into crazy territory, you know? You can dial it all the way up and do weird, weird stuff with it. Uh, and I, f- I feel like a lot of the, uh, the boutique-y kind of builders out there have kind of harnessed that kind of design attitude from EHX. Like, whether they admit it or not, I feel like a lot of them owe a lot to EHX. Well, I think the key thing that that with with all the boutique builders is they're not so much selling a product or a pedal as they are they're selling inspiration. Sure, like that's been that's like the biggest thing that I've noticed is a lot of people don't buy the Afterneath because they want a fun reverb. They buy it because they want something that will make them play differently and try something new. Sure, totally. And that's and that's the cool. I mean, for me, that's the coolest thing about supporting that market is seeing all the different inspiration that comes yeah. out of it. I mean, if if you buy from out of that market. Then you enable them to keep making the weird stuff, you know? Yeah. And, you know, I think the size of that market, um, in terms of the size of the companies and what their bottom lines look like, changes their ability to be flexible. Because if you're boss and you're going to come out with, like, a new pedal, you have to be looking at it from the perspective of, like, what is the new pedal that I can make that I can sell, like, 100,000 units of? Yeah. And I'm going to have to make enough of these pedals to distribute to like every guitar center in the United States and every Long and McQuaid in Canada and whatever other like generic guitar retailer is all around the world. Like you have to make enough of these to do like instantaneous worldwide distribution. Whereas, uh, you know, a lot of JHS, Earthquaker, uh, Wampler, all of the Keeley, all of these companies that they can make a hundred pedals and see what happens. Yeah. They, they can say, hey, you know, we're going to sell these direct first. Let's see what happens. Or like, 
we have a handful of like flagship retailers that we will send these to, but it's going to be like a limited number. And so they have the flexibility to, to come out with something. And if it sucks, like it's not gonna, they're not going to be left over with, you know, 90,000 units that they couldn't sell. Right. Totally. Yeah. Did anybody try the unicorn? I have not. I have heard the unicorn in person. I didn't really mess around with it at all. And I don't know enough about Univibe to say whether it's good or not. I mean, Daniel Tyak dressed up wearing it, riding a unicorn was what made it good. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the best part You're of it. You're saying the pedal sucks, but Daniel made it good? No, I'm just saying that, you know, everybody shops with their eyes, so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's <laughs> <laughs> definitely eye candy. When that okay. first video dropped, when the first, because they came out with two videos on the same day, when the first one dropped where he's reading the story, People went basically frame by frame through that video, like looking for stuff, and they finally like see. I don't, I don't know if if you picked. Uh, did you know this? No. So in her, as Josh Scott is reading, uh, whatever the name of that book is, like I really want one. That'll be my first JHS purchase at like eleven bucks. The little kids, <laughs> kids book. It's, it looks really cool. Uh-huh. Um, but there is a uh, one of the pedals is in the dollhouse. Oh. But like over his like back shoulder or whatever, or like as the camera pans. Uh-huh. But it's like tucked in where if you're not really paying attention, it just looks like a furniture piece in his daughter's dollhouse. Gotcha. I think I hope that's his daughter. Otherwise it's kind of creepy. Right. I think that's uh, where Josh gets all his inspiration for the pedals. Dollhouses. Do- dollhouses. dollhouses. Yeah. So, <laughs> so of course that would look good in my like, doll like I said, like people were basically going through the that first YouTube video frame by frame and then like they screenshotted that like image that's like of of the pedal there and like that thing was all over like what what's this pedal? What's this pedal? Yeah. Is, is this a joke? Like what's going on? Da, da, da. And then of course the next one with uh the second one with Daniel where he's like has the bandolier. Oh my gosh, of that was glory. And it's like app was it he had like an apple teeny or something. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but that's you know it's uni the Univibe market has been a rough market for a long time. Where there's been a lot of digital models of it. There's yeah. been a lot of pedals that try but don't succeed. I haven't tried the Unicorn in person. But if it delivers, then that's an important thing. Because it's 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 a rough uh, sound to reproduce. Right. Oh, it sounds it's killer, very, though. It's a very specific sound. And if you can do it just right, then you've got something golden there. But there's I don't know if there's a lot of people that want it Univibe right now. I a lot of people think they want it. Yeah. Well, JHS makes it so everybody wants it. <laughs> Not everybody. Oh, there's there's pockets of the internet where people don't like JHS at all. Yeah. It's really interesting that the there's, there's a lot of dynamic there. Yeah. But and that is part of like the the thing with like the boutique world. Boutique? Am I the one boutique? that says it wrong? I don't know. It's boutique. It's botque. But botque. What's happening? <laughs> you know, uh, in the botque world. All right. Anyway, it's um, not more of a douchebag. You say it like that, so you should but, probably. But, so, so with these boutique pedals, like there are definitely things where if some small thing goes wrong, like it can get magnified. Oh, sure. In yeah. ways. Um, that like just blow people away. Like I, I totally forgot I, until I looked it up the other day. Um, and that Devi ever like doesn't exist anymore. Well, Devi ever exists again, 
but the founder is like not associated with really? the company anymore. I didn't know that. Uh, she's like off doing her own thing after her whole failure with the, the all the issues she ran into with making. Do you know about the console, the Devi Ever console? No. Wait, was, was, that, was that the Bun Runner dealio or no? That, this is so. There's that too. That's a whole other. Uh, that's a like a whole other issue. <laughs> there's a lot. I, I can't of dr- keep track of it all. Yeah, there's a lot of drama that floats around all these companies on certain guitar well, forums. For Debbie Ever, she she did like some kind of uh, crowdfunding thing, and then wasn't had all of these setbacks, and then eventually like just wasn't really able to deliver. Uh huh. And things I, at that point just really piled on where people wanted the pedals. Like they're having, I think they're having trouble keeping up with demand for like their normal pedal line. But then um, the uh, crowdfunded people were like, it's been like X amount of time. You haven't delivered like what the heck. And so it just became this big thing. And then I think the brand itself got sold off to uh, the same company that builds Dwarfcraft. Okay. Something like that. I don't know how that all plays together. Interesting. I'm sure I'm getting uh, the details at least somewhat wrong. We're talking about companies that are really pretty small. Yeah. And, and there's, you know, any internal or customer service drama that happens gets just magnified on these guitar forums to a point that's so extreme that it's ridiculous. Like if you know any people in the industry and then you see these forums, it's ridiculous. Ridiculous! It doesn't make any sense. So that's kind of the a downfall in that community, the of the Bathqua world of pedals. <laughs> uh, that and you just don't get that with your bosses or your Ibanezes because who knows what people are designing those pedals? Who knows who's involved? There's no personal conflict that reaches the public. There's no like if you buy one of those pedals, you're buying it from a third party. You're not buying it direct. Yeah. And, so it's and, like totally different. You're not dealing with, you know, funding a small company to get a non-existent product, things like that. Right. You're not dealing with someone going like, "Oh, did you know that the Boss SD1 is just a is just a tube screamer copy?" No one makes a fuss about that. I mean, it basically right. is. Right. But no one goes like, "Oh, I can't believe Boss the Ugh. nerve." Ugh, the nerve of guys. Um, yeah, there's a lot of crazy stuff like that. I think um, every once in a while, the big companies will do something like risky. Sure. Um, for me, like the most insane boss pedal was the SL20. You remember the SL20? Uh, the slicer. It was like their green dual pedal. Oh when they yeah. They were doing like the DD the it's one of the 20 series pedals. They've huh. got like the DD20, the OM20, the OD20. Did it have was, one of those weird little screens on it? It had the weird little screen on it and it was basically like a I don't it was like a sampling thing that was like triggered by your guitar or something. Oh yeah. And I thought it was I never got to use one, but I remember watching the demo videos and just being like, "Oh man, like I need to get one of these." But I think in general, people just didn't know what to do with them. Yeah. And so I think sometimes the big companies, when they do have like these super creative ideas, they're like, they, it's that they're pushing their technology to its limits, but they're not, on the one hand, like they play it safe a lot of time Uh and they play to markets that don't exist or they play to markets that are safe. Right. But then every once in a while when they do something big, it's like, 
Look at this crazy thing we did that no one actually wants. Yeah, totally. Like if they, because they kind of they're operating in a in a vacuum and they don't they're not really in touch. Yeah. I mean, we're like you know all these guys who are running these small companies. They're all musicians. They're all right. really in touch with musicians. I don't know if the guy up in the tall tower at Roland designing new boxes over there is involved with anything musically. You know, how would you know that? You know. Yeah. Well, that yeah, that was something. Uh, did you hit hit up the, like the boss booth when you were, when you went to Nam? Yeah. So did did you notice how and boss? Gibson, Fender, like all of the big names, it was like salespeople. Yeah. It wasn't like engineers or any like all, yeah. all the small companies, it's like the engineers and I mean the e- and the builders and the stuff. Electro harmonics booth, Mike Matthews was sitting right there chewing on a cigar. Yeah. That's what's so like off putting to me about those brands is not that I mean, it's, it's, it's the same thing as, like, Pedal Train and Salvage. Like, you know, it's like all these people, there are these big companies that you can, that, I mean, I, I will never bash them because I think they put out a great product. Sure. Um, but it doesn't change the fact that there's something cool and unique about having something that has a story, that has inspiration, that, you know, that has, that comes from someone who cares about it. Right. And, like, walking into Boss, like, I mean... I mean, and I've talked to, like I said, like uh, one of my good friends is a really high up employee there and he uh-huh. is, and he's excited, genuinely excited about the product. Sure. Um, and he loves it. And he thinks it's great. Um, but when it, but as a musician, I, uh, I know that a lot of people who are listening to this and who, you know, even care about this stuff, they want to know that, you know, the people that are, the people that are actually making it, not the guy who's videoing it, but the people who are like involved truly care about what they're doing sure right. and care about them and their success and how it's going to affect them not how it's going to affect their wallet as yeah much. yeah right. and also like when we walked into the boss booth at uh at nam it's like the big difference was like the people behind the the counters they were there to talk business with retailers and yeah be like how many units are going to buy this quarter like it wasn't like when we go up to like walrus audio yeah. And the guys who make free them, water. Yeah, free water. <laughs> the guys who who make them are there and the guys who design them are there and we'll talk to you about them. And they're not pushing units. They're just like trying to show off their stuff, you know. Yeah. They're not Can there. we just like notice uh, Earthquaker Devices freaking rad booth this year? Oh man, so they're, cool. They're like a little sweet with the red carpet and everything. Yeah. That was killer. Yeah. yeah. All those little all those smaller builders had rad booths. We we liked hanging around that stuff much more than like the top level stuff where Fender and Taylor and yeah. Gibson and and whatnot were. And um, you know, I think some some of what actually allowed. Here we go. I'm gonna make the reference. Okay. Um, oh great! Here it comes. Yeah, I know. Uh, to to an extent, I think that part of what allowed fuel like the fueling of boat the boutique world. Jack White. You're gonna blame this on Jack White. I'm not gonna say like Jack White solely, but the I, but like just the whole movement in the early 2000s to like uh, like the whole kind of retro rock sure movement sure. where all of a sudden it was like you know um, wow that was the terribly terribly <laughs> anyway what is this a grammar podcast um, just the whole idea of of People that there being a, a growing segment of the population that was no longer interested in like generating 
like the 80s butt rock tone right, right. or generating like oh i want to be in this core and cover band all the stuff need, like people wanted stuff yeah. that was more in line with the vintage the vintage build rather than like the it's, i mean there's it's, a ph- there's a phenomenal variety of pedals available now there where if you if you relied strictly on the the large builders your catalog builders like bosses and your Ibanezes and and whatnot, you wouldn't have access to pedals that are really close representations of Univibes. You wouldn't have access to pedals that are clones of the sound you would get from a Supro amp. You wouldn't have pedals that give you the sound of you know some other amp or you know some rare pedal that doesn't exist anymore. You wouldn't have love, joy, peace. <laughs> <laughs> Anything, but, but there's all this variety that's out there now because of these small builders, and yes, the price is higher. But you know what? The retail price for the commercial stuff is pretty high too. It's the used market where you get the deal, anyways. And I think people forget that they're like, "Oh, I can go buy, out and buy a DS1 for twenty bucks." Yeah, but the MSRP is probably like forty-five bucks or something. Yeah, like if that. you well, I don't know, I don't know what the MSRP is, but if you were to buy like a new DS1. It, I think right. right now they might be fifty bucks. I mean, how much is the Wazicraft stuff from Boss? It's all in like the. I mean, it depends on the model, but isn't it, it like one sixty? It's all over one fifty, one sixty, something like that. And you could. I think the Terra Echo from Boss, which is actually supposed to be pretty good, I haven't uh-huh. heard. It, but the Terra Echo, I want to say, is like one eighty. Yeah, you throw you throw another couple bucks in there, and you're buying most boutique pedals. You know, yeah, it's not that big of a jump. The the big sellers are in that price range already with most of their MSRPs. Yeah. And, you know, this doesn't mean you have to have that stuff to sound good. No, but, of course not. You but, don't need anything to sound good. But, Strymon. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Strymon's like a perfect example, though. Like, would you know, we had the DL4, <coughs> we had the DD20, and then, you know, this group of guys bails on line six starts their own company pairs up with damage control and you know strymon is born and all of a sudden you've got this like 99 preset delay that has i don't how i don't even know how many delays that thing is supposed to simulate let's see <laughs> we're gonna get a count I mean, that's what i'm talking about with with the stuff they take you know the 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 smaller builders can take the designs to the extreme and allow artists to decide what they want to do with it, you know? Do we have reverse, ice, duck, swell, trim, filter, 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 lo-fi. That's like 12 filters. <laughs> D-tape, D-bucket, digital, dual, pattern. A bunch of them. So twelve. Hopefully, a mu- hopefully one of the microphones picked that up. But but then the <laughs> but then there's a million different ways you can tweak those and do presets and stuff. Yeah. Like so that. you've got twelve basic basic tone palettes. Yeah. And then all fully all the parameters, tweakable yeah. parameters and ninety nine presets to set those up on. Yeah. And you know we, we've. We like to give Strymon a lot of crap, not because we, Strymon makes a bad product. No, we think but just because there's great. like this massive hype machine yeah. Yeah. where people and it's are also like, outside our price range. Yeah, where people are like, <laughs> my favorite is like when when the Big Sky. I thought about buying a Big Sky when it first came out, just because I knew for like the first, if you could get in like on the ground floor, that for like a couple months afterwards, 
there'd be like a hundred dollar resale uh-huh. up like on the used market. Early, like, you're a jerk. <laughs> er, early, that's what was going on with Strymon. I don't think that's an issue anymore. They, they, the big sky now, it sells for a solid four sixty used. Really? It was, like, was it five hundred new? I don't know. But like, I mean, I got my timeline. A, a poor guy was getting married, and he like wanted a ring and so it was, <laughs> was he a poor guy because he was getting married or because he couldn't afford a ring i meant like poor guys and like poor dude had to get rid of his timeline oh but okay. like he was also poor i guess uh and uh well because he bought a timeline yeah exactly. <laughs> so he, sold, he sold it to me for 300 bucks and i nice. said wow i said like well okay most and most people give me crap they're like oh my gosh like even 300 dollars, can't believe you spent that i'm like well you have a dd20 and a carbon copy on your board add another like you know 50 bucks and you have a timeline like yeah yeah we're exactly. really we're not you you people are using multiple delays yeah. i just have one delay now that's so. that's a realization i had when i got the palisades is i got the palisades and then i sold off like yeah 175 dollars worth of pedals and it was like okay another 40 or 50 bucks and I've got the Palisades and I don't have to worry about my tube screamer section ever again because this covers all that ground in way less space in way less space. like seriously if this thing got stolen or exploded tomorrow I would pay the money to get another one if it exploded tomorrow and you got hurt you might be able to sue Earthquaker that's true but you would sue them just like Payment Your settlement pedals. would be like another yeah. Palisades. I know, no, my payment would be in pedals, but because of the amount of injury I would sustain, like I'd end up with like twenty thousand pedals, and I would <laughs> I would sink them as a company. They'd be done. Thanks for the mortal injuries. Oh my gosh! Wow, you just I, planned your whole thwarting of Earthquaker devices. I know, and, and, like a, and a very serious injury. Yeah. But I'm, what kind of injury are we talking about? This thing's gonna apparently ex- one that this thing gonna, he's gonna be worth twenty thousand pedals. This thing is gonna go off like a bomb and take most of me with it. It's like, called dude, Earthquaker devices. I know, so. right? It's now, gonna split the foundation of my house. Now let's consider this. <laughs> If the average Earthquaker pedal sells, we'll just say $100, even though that's not really accurate. So $20,000 at $100 a piece. So That's like $2 that's million. $2 million. Hey, man, that thing exploded. <laughs> I, t- I, I apparently <laughs> took you with it. I don't have legs anymore. Oh. I can't even step okay, on the... Okay, you're making stuff even, up now. <laughs> I can't even step on the pedals anymore. It's not like you ever used your legs anyway. I can't dance. That's for sure. And, and you don't. And you definitely can't, can't run. I can't run. Um, this what, is, wait, what was the question? <laughs> the hypothetical was that my Palisades is going to explode like a bomb. Like a, no, no, I like a brick. Like, what was the what, topic? What was the topic question? I don't remember anymore. <laughs> like it's a brick of C four that's going to explode. Oh my for gosh! Some they probably lace all their wiring with C four. So, so yeah, just so in anyway. case. They hear this right now. They're arming it. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of animosity along among certain communities about the prices of these things, about kind of the hype around them, about you know maybe like the hipsterness of some of it. I think you just got to ignore it all. Look at them for what they are. They're tools. Just do you. Do you need that tool? If you don't need that tool, then don't get it. If, yeah. you, if you need that tool, then you're going to do what you need to do to get it. It's a free market. Yeah. No one is forcing anyone to buy a pedal. You don't have to have 
a Strymon to be on a worship team. I'm on a worship team. I don't have any Strymon. But when I run for... <laughs> you're, con- you're, you're still in training. I will. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like... But I get all the... Del- I'm not a delay fiend. I get yeah. all the delay that I want out of the memory toy. Oh, that's a great pedal. And my DD3. I love my DD3. I'm not a tap guy, so I don't need a tap tempo anything. But then, like, I super care about my drive section, so I have a bunch of weird drives and stuff like that. Well, your drive section is killer. I got a lot of stuff on there, and I got stuff that's not that on dirt there. dirt transmitter is so fun. Oh, my gosh. I love that thing. I'm, my, it ended my fuzz search. I know. it's. It, oh, gosh. Yeah. We, it's so okay, good. let's stop okay, right we, now. <laughs> we, we need to wrap this up. So, we're so we're let, at an hour 20. All right. Let me, let me just wrap this question up. I think there's some truth to what Adam is saying, that stagnation in, like, the mainstream pedal market allowed for like other other companies to come in i mean ibanez was basically making like the same tube screamer over and over a fuzz maybe a hand-wired version of the tube screamer or like tube screamer turbo tube screamer yeah and like the seven version of the tube screamer and ds9 dx yeah yeah the the so they have this all these versions of the same pedal when these companies kind of like started resting on their laurels yeah and with the growth of the internet where these small companies could come up and start distributing through them like be their own distributors internationally yeah doing all of their marketing basically for for free or for next to nothing because they would just do it word of mouth social media on social media uh, on on gear forums and whatever like it really that opened the door for them to step in and for people to say like hey uh this you know keely drive pedal is way better than what boss is selling and it's like 50 bucks more but like if if it makes me like way more confident when i'm playing a gig i'm gonna right. get more gigs so i'm gonna make that money back in turn you know the other thing is these small builders are can be a lot more responsive to their consumer audience. Wampler came out in like the last year or so with the Clarksdale, which is his version of the Tube Screamer, which kind of just happened because for years people were like, Wampler, build a freaking Tube Screamer, uh-huh. build a Tube Screamer, build a Tube Screamer. And then so finally he was like, all right, I'll build a Tube Screamer. If you call, you know, if how many people would it take hitting up Boss saying, hey, Boss, make a fuzz that doesn't suck? Yeah. It like you'd need like a you'd need every guitar player in the world to do that for boss to react. Yeah, well, and then it would still suck. <laughs> well, the fuzzes are so crazy because there's room for there to be literally thousands of variations of fuzzes. Yeah, because yeah. everyone has their preference. Boss only makes one fuzz, as far as I'm aware. They make the FZ5 now. Yeah, and it has settings to sound like three different fuzzes, and they're all bad. They're all bad. Well, it's like, and I think the FZ2 was, for, was it the two or the three that was actually like a good fuzz? The tone lock? No. The, oh, the, oh, the, the boss, boss one. one. Yeah. Some people swear by uh, the, the three, I think the FZ3. Some people swear by it, uh, it but it's still only one fuzz. Right. Right. Mo- that one's only one fuzz. You know, most of the companies out there in the boutique world, they have multiple fuzzes. Right. Like right. multiple fuzzes per small company. Boss has one fuzz right now. Yeah. Boss makes one, pretty much one of, unless it's a reissue, they pretty much just make one of each. They have the room that they could take the SD ones, and and make a dozen variations on that theme. Right. Tube screamer fizzy style drives. They could make a dozen variations on an overdrive or a distortion or a metal or whatever. 
a delay. They have the technology to do that all, but they can't at their price point and the way that they sell. So it's, yeah, let's just wrap this up with a bow. You're right. Who, wh- wh- who's the guy? <laughs> Adam. Adam. Adam, Adam you're right. Good, all right. Good topic. Let's He's, hit this song. Yeah. <laughs> this is sent to us from uh, Nathan Butler. Uh-huh. He's the guy. Equals who- the guy who added all the guitar players he knows and accidentally caused major chaos. This is his band, Shiny Shiny Black. Uh, www.shinyshinyblack.com. This uh, song we're going to play is called Look Me in the Eyes. Awesome. Ooh. It's been great having you on the show, DJ. Hey, it's been great being here for two weeks in a row. Yeah, two weeks in a row. Uh, all right, see you guys next week.